You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, fans? Welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host David Drogmeyer, and on today's show, lucky enough to have John Kegley, one of the original members on the show, on with us. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code Locked On to get twenty percent off of your next order. Before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. We've been covering the Chargers now for over six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season. Now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome in. A special thank you to anyone who's checking out the show for the first time. If you guys don't know, make sure you go subscribe to the show because this is a daily show, and that is the fastest and easiest way to get the show always. And also, thank you to all of our loyal fans that are checking back in with us today. We are finally going to get into some voicemails today. I know I've been promising that for a while, but on today's voicemail segments, we're going to get into an impassioned speech from Deuce from Vegas about why Philip Rivers should be a Hall of Famer and I wouldn't want to go against him the way he was talking about it. So that was absolutely great. We'll also get into kind of the pros and cons of Orlando Brown talking about, you know, missing out on Matthew Stafford in the division, but potentially if the Raiders get Deshaun Watson having that stacked quarterback division in the AFC West, if that was to go down and many more really good voicemails. But first we're going to start the show with Philip Rivers' first sit-down interview since he retired. He did it with his longtime center, Nick Hardwick, and he announced that he will be retiring as a Charger. So as one of the all-time greats, that's definitely something we want to talk about on today's show. So let's go ahead and get into it. Philip Rivers isn't a guy that you saw going on a lot of radio stations and doing interviews in a lot of places. You know, you'd see him in the postgame, Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football, all of those things, and he just brought that electricity, brought that twang, Brought the no cussing, you know, attitude and just all of that energy and positivity that he always kind of radiated and competitiveness because obviously that is something he was very much known for too. But he did sit, sit down with Nick Hardwick on his podcast and talked about a variety of things. But the one thing that really caught the news cycle was the fact that he said that he's excited to retire as a Charger. And that's really the only way it can go down, right? I mean, all of those seasons with the Chargers, only one season with the Colts. And John, this is just something that we weren't necessarily sure was going to happen just because he did have such close ties to San Diego. And we weren't really sure if he would be that fond of maybe going back to Los Angeles, but he did seem like he was excited to do it. And now we know that he will be signing some sort of one day contract or something like that to make sure he retires with the lightning bolt on the side of his helmet. Yeah. He said he's talked to the Spanos and it says he does have some talks to sign a one day contract and retire a charger said he's always Loved the years with the Chargers. Talked a lot about the years with San Diego and the support he had in San Diego. And wants to basically keep that relationship. And retiring a Charger, you still keep that. So it's nice to know he's going to do that and not retire a Colt. He deserves to retire a Charger. I remember 2015, I think it was, in an interview, the Chargers said they want to make sure Rivers retires a Charger. They didn't really keep up with letting him play his whole career with the Chargers. But at least the one-day contract can kind of make up for that. Absolutely. And it's just the only thing that had to happen for Rivers and for the organization. I feel like if it didn't happen, it would be a bad look and it would just be unfortunate for all of the fans who grew up absolutely loving that man for everything that he brought to the table and watched him 
for you know 240 consecutive games, 240 consecutive Sundays where every fan was watching their team play, and he was the guy you know leading the Chargers back in the fourth quarter. He was the guy he was going down with the ship when things were bad, but he was always going to go out there and give the Chargers a chance, and he just gave so many memorable moments as well. Pretty much all of Phillip Rivers' most memorable moments obviously come as a Charger because he spent the majority of his career there, David, but you're just glad that it got done. You're glad that nothing kind of got in the way of it and that really the one guy that's most important to this franchise as far as their quarterbacks, in my opinion, gets to retire as a Charger. Yeah, I mean, you're happy that they the Chargers don't mess this up, right? Because yeah. there's an opportunity where, you know, they've mistreated some of their legends of the past. And, you know, they patched it up. But you didn't want that to be this situation. Because Phillip Rivers has been nothing but great to the Chargers. He's been nothing but great to football. His energy, his personality has always shined through. His integrity has always been the same person. You wanted to make sure and you wanted to know that the Chargers were going to do right by Phillip Rivers, and that there wasn't, and I, I felt like it was going to go that way because there was no ill will when the Chargers and Phillip Rivers parted ways. They, you know, kind of did that on a mutual basis, and it was also nice to see Phillip finish his career playing pretty damn good football too. Yeah, so I was really happy about that. Um, but yes, I'm glad overall that the Chargers reached out to Phillip and that he was, you know, more than receptive of coming back to where he belongs. And definitely retiring as a Charger. When he gets to do it, just like Ladaney and Tomlinson got to do it. I mean, both of those guys meant so much to the team. Both of those guys will obviously have their numbers retired with the team. And nobody will ever wear those numbers again. And they'll go along with the rest of the greats that the Chargers have already retired. But I do think that it was a great interview just to kind of hear Philip Rivers open up a little bit, John. And I know you really liked the interview a lot. And I think that... Obviously, having it with Nick Hardwick seemed to give him a sort of comfort level where you heard him open up about some things you didn't really hear him talk about very often. Not that he was against it, but it's just you only hear so much in a 15-minute press conference, right? So I do think that he definitely got more out of Rivers than some other people would. Obviously, it went a very long time. I think the podcast was an hour and 18 minutes if you guys want to check that out. I mean, it's definitely worth your time. But what else from that did you find interesting, John, and you want to talk about today? Well, there's a lot of stuff Rivers went over, like going over plays, even named the plays. Like he was asked what his favorite moment was, and he said he couldn't put anything. He tried really hard to think of stuff. He was like, but an hour before this show, I knew Hardwick was going to ask me about what my favorite moment was, and I tried to think about it, but I couldn't put anything over the 08 Colts game. And then he goes into all this detail of the season. Like they lost to the Falcons to go 4-8, and eight, and he's just like, this is rough. Like this sucks. And he was so – Mad after the game, some kid wanted an autograph, and he just took off and drove up the, the hill outside the stadium. And then he, he just like, wait, what am I doing? Comes back, gets gives the kid back the autograph, and then practice was rough. And they're like, let's just go out against the Raiders and see what happens. And next thing you know, they're in the playoffs. He goes to like every game, the from the Raiders to the Chiefs to what the plane ride reaction was when the Panthers were beating the Broncos and the Bills were beating the Broncos. Then when it comes to the Colts game, he named, like, I left 30 ISO. I believe it was for the Darren Sproles game. I left slot 30 ISO when Darren Sproles scored the touchdown. Like, he went through all those details. It was just so amazing. And then he named his worst moment, too. Halloween night against the Chiefs. Fumbled snap ball in field goal range that could have won the game. And it happened to be Hardwick's worst one, too. The, the detail that he went into was absolutely amazing. And he always was and like that, And how much of an too. impact that had, too. It's just crazy. I mean, they said that that was... 
both Hardwick and and Philip Rivers' worst moment of their entire careers. That's one thing from that I just didn't expect. And also, uh, Hardwick a- asked Philip Rivers if he would be willing to go in the booth one day. And I think that's a question that a lot of us have, have been asking because he just seems like such a natural. And on, on his interviews, his post game, he's always very raw and very much himself. Also very intelligent. We know that he knows the game. So he said that he wouldn't rule it out. So maybe after he coaches a high school football football for a while, uh, or if someone extends him an offer that he can't refuse, uh, maybe you might see Phillip Rivers uh, calling football games on Sundays. And that would be a delight, and I remember that game specifically. I mean, all you had to do was take a knee, call a timeout, and then you kick the field goal, you win the game. I mean, it was just absolutely brutal. But I think that 4-8 and eight season that you're talking about was also the last game going up against the Broncos and hanging a 50-burger on him and that final game of the year to clinch a playoff spot. I mean, there's so many different moments that you can look back on and just, you know, think back so fondly on. And Philip Rivers was at the center of almost all of them. So he's just such an immovable object as far as Charger fans that were born in the last, you know, 30 to 40 years. I mean, he was your quarterback for a majority of your adult life, you know, maybe even your whole life. So it is just crazy to think that it's over. The ride is over now. And I'm just so grateful that we got to watch it so up close and personal and realize, you know, what a cerebral player he is, like being able to think back on all those things, being able to dissect defenses the way that he did and even do the things he did when he didn't have all of the best physical attributes and just worked and worked and worked and ended up turning in a Hall of Fame career. But Speaking of that, we do have an impassioned speech from Deuce from Vegas who will tell you exactly why it's unacceptable to think that Phillip Rivers will not be in Canton in the future. But we're going to get into that coming up right after this. So this is a perfect time for this voicemail to come, and we have Deuce from Vegas who we're going to start our voicemails with today. But if you guys don't know already, to get to the Lockdown Chargers voicemail line, just call 323-524-7924, and we're trying to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show, and we have another good batch today, but especially coming off of that last segment. I just want you guys to listen to this, and Deuce, I know this was the second part of your two-part voicemail, but I think you pretty much summed it up right here, and I mean, it got me fired up. I mean, I'm definitely turning in my Hall of Fame ballot, putting Philip Rivers on there, but let's hear what Deuce has for us. Deuce here from Las Vegas. Thanks again for the platform, as always. It is unacceptable that people, and in particular Jim Trotter, are saying that Philip Rivers is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. It is absolutely unacceptable. The fact that the man played 240 straight consecutive games and started all of those games is enough to put any person in the Hall of Fame, point blank, period. And so it's just really upsetting to me that people aren't taking into account the man's intangibles. Right? We're not just talking about the arm strength. We're not just talking about the win-loss record. We're not just talking about the multiple Pro Bowls. What we're talking about is the man's toughness, the man's heart. There is no player that played with more competitive fierceness than Philip Rivers. Point blank, period. Doesn't matter whether they won a Super Bowl or not. Philip Rivers was just as uh, was in as many people's faces as Tom Brady was consistently, and there's video to show that. So the fact that folks think or are saying that Phillip Rivers shouldn't be a Hall of Fame quarterback is a crime, and I'll leave it at that. Thank you all. 
David, there was just something about the energy of that voicemail that I think I just had to get it on this show just because it was just so infectious, just like Philip Rivers. I mean, he is not going to take Philip Rivers not being in the Hall of Fame. Like, he's just not going to take it, just like Philip Rivers, you know, tried so hard to get this team to victory. He is not going to have it any other way than him getting into Canton. And I just love the energy, and I think he's absolutely right. I mean, if you look at Hall of Fame quarterbacks, there's so many legendary characters in the Hall of Fame, just guys that you look back on, and not only you know were they great quarterbacks, but they also had memorable personalities too. And I do think that having watched you know every Philip Rivers game, I can tell you that there's just something different about that guy, and I do think that is something that definitely plays a part in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you just can't talk about the NFL over the last 20 years and not talk about Philip Rivers. Absolutely not. I mean. Of the group of quarterbacks that he's been around or he's been lumped up with or he's played around, who has had a bigger personality than Philip Rivers? I mean, really. I mean, think about it. Who has been a more entertaining interview? Who has been a more entertaining player to watch as far as trash talking, as far as a guy you know is just absolutely adores and just loves the game of football? And he has, and he has said it on multiple occasions. And also... The numbers back it up. I just hate the fact that people get so hung up on the playoff records and the lack of success with the Super no Super Bowls. His numbers speak for themselves. And the fact that he was in, incredibly strong and, and gritty and able to fight through injuries and play through a torn ACL and just do all these superhuman things. Yeah, he's through through some interceptions, but you look at his number, he's top five in pretty much every statistical category that is kept for a quarterback. That definitely has merit. And yes, he was a larger than life personality among the people that he played with. And yes, that means that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Point blank period, as uh, Deuce would say. I mean, I just think obviously it's hard because we're seeing it through our lens, you know, and he definitely doesn't have that, you know, national perception of somebody that's just automatically going to make it. But you also think about all of the players from different teams that came out to say something about Phillip Rivers and the back and forth that they had and him dissecting defenses, whether it's J.J. Watt saying, you know, hey, he told our linebacker he was out of place to come in on a blitz and he was 100% right. Or any other story you hear about, hey, I hated the guy and then I ended up loving him just because of that competitive nature. Like, you didn't see that stuff when Eli Manning retired, right? I mean, he just meant so much to this league. He was such a different type of player and I just think he was underrated as a player and people don't like to use the stats when they don't want him in but they want to bring up the playoff stats even not even recognizing the fact that there's the Marlon McCree fumble all of the Nate Kading missed field goals and all of the reasons that quarterback wins shouldn't be a stat that's the end all be all and neither should postseason success I mean ask Dan Marino so I think that we've said all we need to say about that but we do have another voicemail getting up into the Orlando Brown and whether or not we like that decision we do have a caller here that definitely does like the idea of bringing him in. Hey, what's going on, fellas? This is uh, Ivan from Lichtenberg here. Uh, real quick, I just want to say, you know, I work out in uh, San Bernardino uh, this morning. I have like a 35, 45 minute drive, and uh, I start my day listening to you guys. Today, so I appreciate you guys putting out content nice and early. Uh, now, uh, what I wanted to get into today was uh, the whole Orlando Brown thing. Uh, I know. Uh, I know they're going to want a lot, but I mean, just like giving up a first rounder for a QB that's you know, already established. He's established, he's young, and uh, yeah, he had minimal uh, chance at the left tackle, but we know what he's capable of. I doubt he lost a beat, you know? Uh, 
they did play very well all around, especially himself. You know, wherever the ones are hitting, he did great. Uh, I wouldn't mind giving up a first rounder if they're going to get a tackle with that first rounder. If they're going to go up another direction, then I, I would hold on to it, but I would definitely be uh, for it. I don't think it's, I mean, it's win now, but I just think it's being a, it, it's a smart choice. You know, it's kind of up there and on. Uh, they should be on the phone trying to get that happen. Also, what are you guys thinking about uh, our coaching staff? I'm liking what uh, Siri is doing. I feel like he does have a plan and he has a mindset and a mentality that he's trying to convey on our team. And it's uh, pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting times in there. Uh, I run into a lot of target fans out in my trade and uh, everybody seems pumped about it. So, you can make a big splash, get, get that tackle thing, uh, Mr. Brown. Or we'll see. Maybe uh, we'll trade back, get some more kicks, and get some good. Maybe get like two, three linemen, you know, from first to third. And we'll see. But uh, thanks again. Great show today. Both up. Well, Ivan, I think we're on the same page. I would just say that, I mean, whether or not you're planning on taking an offensive lineman with the 13th overall pick, I think you either want him or you don't. And I know, John, you weren't here to talk about it with us yesterday, but there's a couple of different ways to think about this. I know Zach also called in and left a voicemail about, hey, you know, we've brought in guys like Trey Turner in a trade and it didn't work. We brought in experienced veterans and Ryan Blaga and it didn't work. And obviously, if you get a tackle at 13, you get him on his rookie contract as well. And that's all nice and good if he turns out to be a good player. And when you're talking about Orlando Brown Jr., the chance to go and get somebody that's played in all 16 games in all three seasons that he's been in the NFL has been really good. You have a proven commodity right there. I mean, if you if whoever you drafted 13 turns into Orlando Brown Jr. and that type of player, you hit on that pick. But how do you feel about the whole Orlando Brown Jr. situation? Well, I'm not, David. I'm not going to cave on this. I refuse <laughs> to give up the first-round pick for him. Um Maybe I, I'm like kind of into the second round. I definitely give up a third round for him, a third and another pick, like a third and a fourth, a third and a fifth, or maybe like a third and a fifth this year and a third next year, something like that. Second round, I mean, if you were planning on going with a second offensive lineman in the second or third round, then I'd be willing to give up the second round pick. But the first round pick has to be a one offensive lineman, and then you need to give up multiple draft picks to get Orlando Brown Jr. And now you have two offensive linemen that are really good if you're doing all this just to get one guy then you're not really improving your offensive line you're making one big step by replacing your left tackle but then you got a bunch of guys that are gone that weren't great you got Bulaga and Turner who are injury prone what do you really have left on the offensive line even though you sold the house for this isn't a QB that you're trying to trade for this is one offensive lineman so I'm not willing to give up the first-round pick. The first-round pick has to be one offensive lineman, and then you could trade a second or a third or whatever for Orlando Brown Jr. Now you have two new offensive linemen, and then you can get a late-round fourth, fifth pick, whatever, to maybe be your gambling offensive lineman pick. But you got to get more than one offensive lineman in this deal. But what's to stop them from also picking, you know, using their 13th pick to go get Orlando Brown and stopping them from picking an offensive lineman in the second round? In that sense, you're still getting two offensive linemen. I just don't think that necessarily... They could also address one in free agency, too. Well, yeah, I mean, that's something that they've got in trouble with. And obviously, uh, my biggest thing with the first first pick for the Chargers, a big thing about that is, hey, you also have to know you're going to be able to get him on a contract extension as well. You have to know that you're not just using a first-round pick on a one-year rental. I think the Chargers could use a 13th pick on Orlando Brown and still have a pretty good crop 
of guys in the second round that are going to slide to the Chargers at that point, and you could still really upgrade the interior of your offensive line as well. Because I do think that the Chargers have to end up with a couple offensive linemen in this draft, and if they end up trading the first pick for Orlando Brown and still draft another offensive lineman, that's two play. That's two positions on your offensive line that both just got upgraded. So I see the side of both of it, and I think that there are obviously advantages to both. If you don't have to give up a first-round pick, obviously you don't. If you can stretch it out and say, I'll give you a second, 2021, a third, and 2022, of course you do that. But if the price has to be a first-round pick, I'm saying if I know I'm getting that extension, I've wasted too much time you know, gambling on lesser picks. I've wasted too much time trying to bring in other teams' free agents that have had injury histories and have their own question marks. Give me a guy who's never missed a game in his career. If I get a starting left tackle for the next five years with that 13th overall pick, I'm taking that to the bank and I'm running. But obviously, if it doesn't cost that, do whatever you can do to keep that pick by all means. But we do have one more voicemail segment to get into. We have a couple more, including what if Deshaun Watson ends up going to the AFC West, even though the Broncos didn't end up going after Matthew Stafford. There still could be a chance that you know the Raiders go after Deshaun Watson. So we'll get into that as well as our thoughts about which defensive players could break out in Brandon Staley's defense. And we're going to get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. We have one big weekend left of football, guys. It's going to be Super Bowl Sunday, and we have a hell of a matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I don't really want either team to win, but I do know I'll have some money on the game, and that's going to make me interested in it because I don't really care who wins. So for me, I'm going to be looking at the prop bets I have on players to score touchdowns. You can pick any different player, and if he scores a touchdown, you're usually going to get pretty good odds on that unless it's someone like Patrick Mahomes. But you can also cross-bet with your sports. You can have the total amount of points in one game be compared to a halftime of a basketball game. There's so many different crazy prop bets you guys can get into. I've already gone down that rabbit hole, and it's just going to make Super Bowl fun night. Super Bowl Sunday that much more fun. And BetOnline.ag is the one place that has you covered, and it's the one place that we trust, and they will even give you guys some free money to bet with. If you sign up today for a free account, you can use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, for free money and a 50% welcome bonus at BetOnline.ag. I also need to tell you guys that the only place that I get my auto parts is rockauto.com. And that got tested with me this week because I just had to get my fiance a new alternator for her car. And that was the whole fiasco. But it makes it so much easier just knowing that I don't have to go search for it. I'm going to be working and doing a podcast all week. So I have the part. I know I got it for a good price. And it's just going to come right to my door and you guys can get everything that you need from rock auto because they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil and even a new carpet whether it's for your classic or daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door and i definitely have a whole new appreciation for how easy it was to go find the part that i needed after having to do this but all you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, well, it's time to get into the rest of our voicemails. And first, we have Roberto, who's calling in from Mexico. We appreciate you calling back in, Roberto. Let's hear what he asked for us this week. Hello, guys. This is Roberto. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, I just saw the... I just, I just finished listening to your, to your Monday podcast and... Uh, I kind of, I kind of feel the same way as you do about uh, this Lombardi guy. Like, if I'm being honest, like when I saw the news, I'm not like I wasn't really hyped about it. 
I was expecting Kevin O'Connell or, I don't know, maybe some other younger guy or, I don't know. But uh, then at the same time, I'm just, uh, I was just analyzing that hiring. And I don't know, like, I, I think uh, that this can be a good hiring. And, like, for example, uh, I think in life and in everything, like, everything is about circumstances. So, I don't know. I think that this might be actually that this might actually be a good move. So I'm not gonna jump into any conclusions. I think uh, that Steady is gonna be like super. In, like he's gonna be mon- monitoring this offense so much that uh, I don't know. Maybe they, like maybe their minds will be uh, working something really really good for Herbert man. And now that. Uh, Tyken is gone and Pep is gone. I don't know. We'll we'll see what uh, Justin looks like next uh, season. But uh, I don't know. Like I as I said before, like if he was looking that good with Tyken and Lean, uh, I don't know. I, I think that he's gonna be even better with uh, Staley and this new coaching staff. But uh, that's all for me, guys. Thank you. So I definitely understand the thought of, you know, hey, it could have been a little bit more exciting with the offensive coordinator. It's hard when you get a guy whose only experience at the position was a failure. But at the same time, I have liked the staff that they've put together all around, just getting so many different versatile coaches who have done a lot of different things in the league. I know that Ivan was asking about that as well in his voicemail, and I do like the fact that they have kind of gone outside of the box a little bit with the coaching hires that they have. But I do think, obviously, David... We had our frustrations last year with the way that you know Shane Steichen and Anthony Lynn called the offense with Justin Herbert. I don't think they trusted him enough. I think they kind of held him back a little bit. And I also didn't necessarily think that they used all of his tools to their advantage. And that was something we were so frustrated about, not moving the pocket, not getting him outside to throw balls, which he was so good at. I mean, we have so many plays in the end zone specifically where you just see him rolling out and just throwing laser beams into the end zone for touchdowns. I mean, that one Keenan Allen one where the DB is just literally hanging all over him and he just puts it right there and he didn't even have to move. We saw so many great plays like that, but we still failed to see it incorporated enough. And too many times the team decided to not put the ball in Justin Herbert's hands in critical moments and decide to run the ball up the middle or something like that. So I do think that, yes, when you have Brandon Staley and Mike Lombardi, there is a good reason to think that if they truly build the offense around Justin Herbert, that it can be more successful than what we saw with Steichen and Lynn. Yeah, for sure. And then you got to hope that at least, you know, they're going to make better better decisions, better in-game decisions than Lynn and Steichen did last year. So you like the concepts. I mean, you like the, the things that they worked with, you know, with the Saints, with Joe Lombardi, and with the Shanahanian type of uh, influence that some of the coaches are bringing along on the offensive staff. I mean, you have to just take them for the word at this point until you see them go out there on the field and show exactly what it's going to look like. They say they're going to build the system specifically around Justin Herbert and his strengths. So if they do that, then they're going to incorporate some running with him. They're going to get him out of the pocket and let him throw on the run. They're they're going to let him throw it deep. They're going to utilize some of the skill sets more often and more effectively than, you know, the previous administration did. So, We just have to wait and see. I mean, we have to see if they do what they say they're going to do. I mean, we know he's going to have a very good defense 
at least a good defensive game plan in practice that he's going to be going up against too. So he'll have a really good, you know, way to iron sharpens iron type of situation during training camp next year and going up against that new Brandon Staley led defense. So I think there are things to definitely get excited about there, but let's get into super fan Zach who's calling and asking about some defensive players under Brandon Staley's new system. Hey guys, up from Florida here. So not including guys like Derwood James and Drew Tranquil who are coming off injury and not including any incoming rookies. Who do you think will have a breakout or bounce back season next season with this new coaching staff. Maybe it's too early to ask this, but I want to get your early predictions for this question. Would love to get your thoughts and bolt up. So, I mean, there's several guys. I mean, I'm most excited to see Derwin James, obviously. And I know you said he's not available for this question, but just seeing all the different ways that he's going to be used is what gets me most excited. But for me, it's Uchenna Nwosu and it's Kenneth Murray, and it's really not that close just because I didn't think either of them were used to their strengths last year, John, to the best of their ability. So I think under a new system with Brandon Staley, giving Uchenna the you know keys to the car and letting just him unleash and playing outside linebacker, which might be a little bit better for him, and just getting Kenneth Murray in a position to attack the ball is what excites me. But who could you see thriving in Brandon Staley's defense? Definitely Nwosu. It's definitely got to be him for me. We saw what he's capable of doing, especially when he made clutch plays in like the playoffs and other games like that. He showed a lot of potential, but the Chargers never took advantage of it. Anthony Lynn was always, what we said, just stubborn and in his way of doing things. He kept on saying Herbert's a backup for a reason. And it shows that he always had a favorite, basically. Whoever was the starter was going to be the starter. We saw it with Sam Tevy, Trent Scott. We also saw it with the whole Uchenna Nwosu thing. He never really gave him many chances to play. Well, I think that's a guy's guys hurt. thing a lot, too. It could be that, too. But, I mean, Lynn has said it in press conferences, so I, I blame him more than anything. Because as the head coach, you can say, no, we're putting this guy in. And he never did it. When we had Ingram down, when we had Bosa down, was Nwosu getting the snaps? No, they're moving Tillery out there instead. Or it was Isaac Rochelle. I never felt Nwosu got the chance he deserved. So I think it's got to be him that gets the bounce back year. I'm definitely excited about that. I think there are some guys that will thrive. Jerry Tillery is probably the one I'm most you know mesmerized by as far as I'm not really sure I know where that's going to work out on Brandon Staley's defense. But you know, hopefully this new scheme gets a little bit more out of him and he can continue, you know, maybe actually making a leap this year. I thought he played okay at times, but I think it's hard to say he was much better in year two than he was in year one. But we do have one more voicemail to get into about the Matthew Stafford and potentially Deshaun Watson trade scenarios. So let's hear what we have from one of the OGs, Curtis Loki. Hey guys, Curtis Loki. I'm just calling. Like I haven't called in a while, and I don't want you guys to think that, that us, us regular listeners stop listening. Uh, yeah, we've been listening, and we're excited about this up-and-coming season. Um, you know, you guys had kind of talked about the Jared Goff uh, Matthew Stafford trade a little bit, and I totally agree. Uh, this is a win, in my opinion, for the for the Chargers for everything and all the reasons that you guys have stated. Uh, one, seeing how the Broncos could have had an opportunity to have a competent quarterback, um, at least a consistent quarterback, I should say, and they failed to do so. Um, one concern I do have, though, is uh, the Ra- there's been rumors about the Raiders going out and getting Deshaun Watson. I don't know how much um, 
is behind this and what it could actually happen, but it's a little scary. I'm not going to lie. Not because I think the Raiders are any good, but because if Marcus Mariota, who is not as good as Deshaun Watson, came in and made that a pretty competitive game, more competitive than I thought it would have been um, with Derek Carr, I could only imagine what it would be like having Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes in that same division. So, yeah, um, I just wanted to say my two cents on that. And then if you guys get a chance, you know, maybe it'll be at a later show. But I'm just curious in terms of the three, four potential outside linebackers that we may uh, snatch up in this up-and-coming draft. It doesn't really matter what uh, round it is in, but what prospects have you been noticing and, and which ones do you see that would uh, potentially fit a fit our system? All right, love the show. Go Bolts. So the Chargers definitely dodged a bullet, I think, with Matthew Stafford going to the Rams as opposed to someone like the Broncos. But technically, not just the Raiders could be, you know, looking to get after Deshaun Watson, but the Broncos could as well. And if you listen to what their new general manager had to say, it doesn't seem like they're going to swing for the fences. They didn't want to mortgage their future to go after Matthew Stafford. So for the haul, it's going to take for Deshaun Watson, obviously a different type of player. It's hard to believe they're going to make that big swing. But David, the Raiders might be crazy enough to actually do it and just trade, you know, the next five first round picks that they have to go get somebody like Deshaun Watson. And that would just make this division at quarterback just absolutely ridiculous. They definitely could. And yes, that is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I really don't want anything to do no, with you. John Gurdon and Deshaun Watson pairing up together. No, Mm-mm. sorry. Don't want anything to do with that. So I hope that, that that does not happen. But I mean, like we were talking about before the show, I mean, it would be insane. Have Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson all in the same division. Oh man. Talk about cutthroat. I don't think it gets any more cutthroat than that. It'd be hard to think about a position in any, you know, one division that would be more loaded, at least as far as talent, because Justin Herbert, hey, it's only been one season, but the physical talent of those three quarterbacks is blinding. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous to think about them all being in the same division kind of gives me a headache. I mean, you'd be having, you know, two wild cards if they keep that going, coming from the same division every year, it seems like, right? So... That would be very interesting to see if that would happen. Obviously, I don't want that to happen. I think that's going to be tough enough going up against Patrick Mahomes twice a year. But it's definitely in the realm of possibility. And there is a wild arms race going on in the AFC West trying to catch up with the champion Kansas City Chiefs who are now going into their second consecutive Super Bowl. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. We appreciate you guys coming and checking it out today. If you guys want to get in the next voicemail segment, the number is 323-524-7924, and we're trying to get all Chargers voicemails played on the show. If you guys don't already, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page, Locked On Chargers, as well as giving us a follow on our new Instagram page where we post clips and stuff like that from the show as well, and you can find that at LockedOnChargers too. If you guys don't already, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We'd appreciate it if you guys would subscribe, and it's obviously the easiest and best way to get the show when you're talking about a daily podcast like this. Also, if you guys wouldn't mind rating and reviewing, we always really appreciate that as well. But we will be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.